I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Your source for big game talk. It's off tackle. Empire! Welcome to Off Tackle Empire Regular Edition. Uh, I'm Steve Braun, aka Thumbasaurus, and I'm glad to let you all know that I'm with Andrew Krzyzewski again here. It, things, were, things were looking a little dicey there for a while, but my concerns were, were unfounded, and honestly, if we can get through this one, I think we can get through anything. Uh, dude, I'm over it. I mean, <laughs> I was mad during the game, and like by the time, actually, by the time the... The line I scored the touchdown to win ahead, I knew it was going to happen. I was open, so I was like, well, what reaction am I going to have to this? Uh, it actually it reminds me a little bit of when, before our game against Illinois' game against Iowa last year, I was trying to convince the Iowa writers that, no, my team is actually bad. And they weren't <laughs> they weren't having it. They were like, no, man, we're still going to... And then after that game, they were like, okay... Okay, fine. We we were wrong to question you, and now I'm finding myself in the situation where I'm willing to fully admit I was wrong to question you about yeah. about Michigan State and their ability to. Well, because it's not like I definitely didn't say that there was no way Illinois could win this game, but what happened certainly wasn't a way that I thought. No, and now look, I'll be honest. I mean, after MSU actually looks like a capable offensive team earlier in the game. We, I mean, we're just, we're skipping through that line to that game. Cause it's the first thing that we were both going to talk about anyway. Um, it, there was definitely a point during the game where my expectations recalibrated somewhat. I was like, Hey, you know, maybe we are better than most, than at least some of the other teams, in the big 10 besides the very, very bottom. Like maybe, you know, the Indiana game wasn't a total fluke that if we played 10 times, the Hoosiers would win seven or eight of them. <laughs> maybe, this MSU team is going to come within shouting distance of living up to its preseason expectations, but no, they are who I thought they were, <laughs> and in all the worst ways. And they let us off the hook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. And look, it's one thing to lose. They've in the last few years, unfortunately, they have lost plenty. They're basically a 500 team since that playoff appearance. We've covered this before. With <laughs> each passing week, they get further and further from 500. The thing is, like, it's one thing to lose to a better team like Penn State or Ohio State or even Wisconsin. Teams that are better than you, if they beat you, fine. Even Arizona State, like, they were ranked for a good part of the season. Um, it, it was still extremely frustrating to watch. It had an asinine end, which is going to happen when Pac-12 officials are involved, but... This is the first time this year where it's not... They didn't lose to a team that was definitely better. They lost to a team that I would probably say MSU is still more talented than, even though apparently over the course of their second bye week in a three-week period, they managed to practice and work out in such a way as to lose three starters to injury on offense. And because of the way they've built their roster the last few years, the solution to two offensive linemen going down was play these true freshmen. <laughs> so Ooh, that's boy. where we are. That's where we are in year 13 of a program is 
playing a guy. First of all, Samak was recruited as a guard, not a center. Uh, and the the funny thing is, they did at least as good as the offensive lineman MSU's been playing all year, except for the part where Samak snapped the ball over the rookie's head. Now that ended up being the one turnover that didn't cost them anything. Uh, just like, just astonishing that in the course of a fourth quarter comeback, because it was 31-10 entering the fourth quarter, and Illinois had the ball at their own, like, 15. Yeah. It's not like they were on the doorstep. During the course of a 21-point fourth quarter comeback, Illinois pissed away a turnover at the Michigan State 9. I mean, I just don't know how to explain anything besides opening up my win fight Troy Brewster of the week. It is delirium tremens. Uh, do I need to say anything more? I don't know what in the hell is real in the world. Yeah. Well, look, you you texted me pretty early in that game when it looked like it was going to be 63 nothing all over again. And you said something to the effect of, you know, that I was missing out on a historic beatdown. And you ended up being correct that something historic did happen. <laughs> did, it, did it not? Yeah. Um, boy, it, it's hard, it's hard to, to suss out what this game means other than D'Antonio was absolutely 100% done. If there was any doubt in anyone's mind. I've had that. I've had that's been my inclination since Arizona State. They had that three-game stretch where they could have changed my mind. Where they could, I mean, where there wouldn't have been any choice but to change your mind if they win even two of those games in the Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State stretch. But they didn't. They didn't look like they belonged on the field with any of those teams. And if you thought there was some chance, well, like, look, with the way this schedule lines up, Michigan was the only decisively more talented team than them on the schedule in the month of November. So if they beat Illinois, they set up a run to an 8-4 regular season. You get a bowl that's not what you wanted at the beginning of the year, but it wouldn't be a total catastrophe. That's not on the table right now. What's on the table now is you hope that you don't staple your dick to your own leg against Maryland or Rutgers and still make a bowl. Forget about beating Michigan. That's not going to happen. And then you're probably bowling, what, 15 miles from here in the good old quick lane bowl? I won't be there. I, I, even if I was in town that day, I wouldn't go. I mean, yeah, it, one of those wins in that three-game stretch, perhaps, you know, you said two, but maybe even one leaves a pretty big argument. But I think that by losing the way that they did, and then what happened yesterday, boy, if he were on a mission to remove all doubt, mission accomplished. The problem, though, and we've discussed this before, is, well, all right, so he's removed all doubt, but that's in my mind. That's in the minds of my friends who also cheer for the team. That's in the minds, maybe, of the students. Um, that's the people whose opinions matter, who we have no idea what they're thinking, are president and the athletic director the, the ad came out and gave kind of your tepid standard vote of confidence i don't know if it was last week or the week before when exactly but it <laughs> what comes up whenever this topic is raised among msu fans is well what are they gonna fire him they're not gonna fire him he's i mean he's still probably their greatest fundraising tool other than tom Izzo. and given what the university's gone through from an administrative standpoint in the last few years who's got the who has the gumption right now to fire him other than the new university president who has shown some interest in athletics but does interest in athletics mean i'm going to step in and fire the most accomplished msu football coach of the last 60 years <laughs> was if that would be a hell of a way to announce your intention to be involved it would probably win him a lot of support that right now i mean nobody knows what to think of the guy from an administrative standpoint i mean 
he's a university president who knows anything about him unless and until they do something extremely fucked up. There's a fairly obvious, in my mind, candidate to replace him, too. That would be? Luke Fickle. Yeah. That would probably... He'd be at the top of my list. Yeah. well, saying, especially the connections is just 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 screaming at you. It's he coaches at the same school that Antonio did yeah. when they hired him away, and he's been a defensive coordinator at Ohio State. It, yeah, it's it's almost too easy. Now, who knows if he would take the job? I have to think he would consider it if offered. I mean, get, if you're if you make that pitch to Fickle, is it not? Do you want to have a career like Antonio did, or do you want to hold out for the Ohio State job that's never going to be offered to you? Like that's what other job is he going to get that's going to be better for him than Michigan State? I mean, I Ohio State just hired what like a, a thirty-nine-year-old. Yeah, the guy's guy younger than Fickle. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> currently has never lost a game as a head coach and looks like looks like a twenty-year wonderkind. I mean, this this dude, honest to God, could maybe go two seasons and change without losing a game. And if I've if I've gone two seasons and change and not lost a game, I consider hanging it up right there. I've never been beaten. <laughs> yeah, take honestly. that, Saban. So yeah, I, and again, this is obviously all premature because nobody even. I think really the ball is completely in D'Antonio's court. If he wants to stay, the university is not pro- is probably not going to push him out. I can't imagine why he wants to stay at this point. And at like more, whatever he says in the press conference, you know, he went back to the good old well of next question. When somebody, I don't even remember what the question was, but it was something something about what people can expect. Yeah, or something, right? It was like, what? What do you expect? I mean, you know, which speaking of you, we were talking briefly about Cincinnati. We're on Cincinnati, pretty much. I mean, and that's like you don't get to do that if you're not achieving the way that a coach like Belichick does. Like, if you're that kind of gruff asshole, it just turns your fans off. And whether they like to admit it or not, football coaches need us. We pay their salary because as. You know, and as you mentioned, it's one thing to lose to a better team. It's also another thing to to lose a game to a to an inferior team that that's got a really good game plan. But it's a to- horse of a totally different color to go out demonstrate that you're a far superior team than your opponent, and then lose anyway somehow. This was full John L. Smith. This was yeah. for the first time in his career. D'Antonio being indistinguishable from John L. Smith and how he managed a game. A friend of mine that. Uh, that that lived out here in Detroit in 2006, um, graduated from Illinois, but he he heard it live on the radio. You know what I'm talking about, the Mike Valenti rant. Yeah, he he, he sent me that uh, that link on on, on Twitter today. And I re- that was the first game I ever went to. I took I took you? a listen to it. No, he didn't. I took a listen to it on the way over here, and I'm thinking like, wow, it it's like it it's the same thing. It's the same th- it. Go go take a listen to that and see if see if he couldn't just recite the damn thing nearly word for word, change some names and take out the fact that it wasn't raining. Yeah, I mean, change the change the was it? I think it was Stanton that he named Stanton, specifically. Yeah. Flip in Elijah Collins for that, and like you're, you're well, no, it's Javon good. Ringer and uh, um, oh man, who who is the Corcoran, right? That that wasn't Call getting Cockrick. Yeah. That wasn't getting carries in the second half of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, and Collins still ended up with 28 carries in this game. He should have had 40. Like, the way this game flow went, he should have had 40. Like, uh, yeah, this is probably the one game the one game where they actually had a big enough lead for run, 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 punt the whole second half to actually work, and they just didn't do it. Like, they kept against a team that has thrived, that has only succeeded when they turn the ball over, 
You keep putting the ball in the air. Every <laughs> time in the second half that Lewerke put the ball in the air, my jaw hit the bleachers. I, I just couldn't believe it because what we, what we said last week, one of the things we said was that a lot of dumb things would happen. And dumb things did happen. But yeah. another thing we said was that if what Michigan State's doing in the first quarter is working, Illinois is doomed because they're not going to change it up. But they only change their offense up when it is working. <laughs> yeah, man. I, all right, look. We've talked about this enough from my perspective. I mean, the, the last thing yeah. from a macro perspective I would mention is what, think about where these two programs are from a recruiting posture. MSU doesn't have on our buy, as I mentioned. They burnt, They had both of theirs in a two-week period or a three-week period. But that response in that press conference, like, what are you going to tell fans who want to know what's going on with this program? And his response is, next question. That, that to me is, I don't know. Yeah. So if you're trying to convince any player worth having to come to Michigan State right now, why the hell would they come here? Why the hell would you come here if you have any better choice? I mean, hell, would you not be better off at the top half of the MAC, where at least you have some idea your coach is going to still be there? Like, he's, I don't know how. I mean, that it's works. it's your stereotypical "I'm the football coach and I'm controlling the situation" uh, answer, but it really belies a lack of control of your future. Um, from an Illinois perspective, I've never seen anything like this because, uh, you know, even if you think I've I've totally was was very Eeyore on this whole thing. A month ago at two and four, there was plenty of no, there was plenty of reason to be. Lovey was the deadest man walking in America. Yeah, and you made the the hottest, you made the most fire track in the history of this podcast as a result. And <laughs> and basically from the moment you dropped that track, everything turned around for Illinois. So what I'm asking is, why come you ain't had an invitation to you know for a a bought and paid for suite at whatever bowl game Illinois ends up at because y'all are bowl eligible now with games yeah. in hand. Yeah, and it's not... I, I'm just thrilled to death that it's not going to come down to 1-10 in 10 Northwestern with bowl eligibility on the line and just thinking, <laughs> oh my God. Pat Fitzgerald <laughs> doing prison exercises under a single swinging naked light bulb in a concrete <laughs> basement. Thinking back to what Lovey Smith said about players being compensated for name, oh, image, likeness. I'll show them. I'll show them all. Go Cats! And if <laughs> if you haven't seen it, um, there's a gift from press conference immediately afterward of just Lovey stroking his beard and then doing a finger gun at a reporter. And it's just like, man, I never wanted to hate him. I really never did. I... I <laughs> How could you ever want to hate that guy? No, now you don't have to. So, so that's that. Um, I never thought I'd see anybody make winning look more accidental than Tim Beckman. <laughs> but man, like even even Saturday morning, I hadn't ruled out going. I woke up and I was like, "Should I go?" Yeah, I know. I, I, I told you. Put a, I got you know, the forecast. I knew you were a game time decision. In addition to the, in addition to the forecast, and it wasn't as bad as it could have been this time of year. The forecast, but I'm like. If I go to this game with Steve, one of us is going to be furious at the end of it. Yep. And, like, if we win, I don't care. That doesn't change our fortunes this yeah, season. That's what I kept saying was, you know, as we were walking around, like, noticing there was, you know, we weren't anticipating any animus from any animosity from Michigan State fans because there's really no outcome that would have made them happy. No. Like, 
They were win the, by fifty, and then just pissed off they couldn't show yeah. a pulse against any. Uh, the outcomes the range month. from sigh of relief to oh my god, my house is on fire, and I'm still in it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Did, I, did you catch any flack from? I mean, I'm sure the occasional drunk student. No, I mean there was. But, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, we had drunk students with us in the stands who were just. You know, admired how I unironically pivoted to like, all right, one touchdown here, and we are covering this spread. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that kind of thing does play for the younger crowd, though. So, all right, well, enough talk about that. Let's talk about a game that actually matters in terms of a conference standings. Minnesota 31, Penn State 26. Wow. Well, look, look, though, when we talked about this last week, I said I felt like Minnesota had a big advantage in the coaching and game planning area, did I not? And 100%. Look, it, okay, so if salty Penn State fans out there are looking for evidence to support Franklin being a shit game day coach, exhibit A, a refusal to stick with what works, just like D'Antonio did against Illinois. The run game, especially the tailback run game with Journey Brown, is doing huge business. How many carries did Journey Brown get in this game? 14. For how many yards? 124. Do you want to give him a few more opportunities when he's going for eight yards a pop? I mean, what the hell are you thinking? Like, you're Also, you're Penn State. This is the kind of thing that you do. You yeah. pound running. Like, I know that, that you can't always judge programs by their history and stuff because the game changes. But when you look at Penn State with a, with a huge challenge advantage... They run the damn ball. And look, it's true that this year, like recently, they have been very dependent on the explosive play, KJ Hamler in particular. And why wouldn't you be? The guy's fantastic. And I get also that they were behind the entire game. So they're, they're, that changes your play-calling approach somewhat. But if you go over to a pass-heavy approach as early as they did, if you basically give up on the run so early, I mean, that's where you were hitting your big plays because... The strength of Minnesota's defense is in the secondary. Have you heard of Antoine Winfield? You should be careful about throwing a ball out there in the center field where he lives if you don't have to do it. They And you know what? They never trailed by more than 14. And they trailed by 14 like near, the, near halftime. So a coach that's got a good handle on, you know, a coach that wants to lead his team by being calm here is not going to abandon the run in this situation and try to get all the points back right now. Yeah, I don't know. They, they were down 10 to 14. I mean, they they were so quick to get away from running the ball and trying to control the clock, you know? Yeah, and it, look, there were big enough days from Hamler and Fryermuth for, for them to win if they had also backed it up with some running. And it's true that... Some of the other secondary receivers, there were a couple of brutal drops that they had. But when you involve guys who aren't used to being at the center of attention in a high-pressure game like this, that's going to happen. Um, and so, and then, you know, conversely, Minnesota has played this kind of game plan all year. The rushing game was less efficient than it has been. Like, they're not running for five or six yards a carry. Penn State never really wore down defensively because they're too deep and too talented for that to work. But because Minnesota has leaned on this run game all year, it was good enough that when they did go to the air, holy shit, was it deadly because Penn State has to put eight or nine in the box 
And if you give Minnesota's receivers one-on-ones, they are going to make hay, and they did. Bateman and Johnson combined for 14, 307, two touchdowns. That's fucking incredible. Let me vomit for a second before giving this enormous hat tip to P.J. Fleck and saying that this is what this is exactly what it means to establish the run in a positive sense. They didn't lean on it as a primary weapon, but they did it to make sure that the defense still knew that they they could do it and they were were still willing to do it. And well, Tanner and, Morgan only threw the ball 20 times for 339 yards. Yeah, well, and they still, you know, when you say established the run, yeah, it's as part of a holistic offensive plan, not just for the sake of running the ball and controlling the ball. They did call twice as many runs as passes, but again, when you're out front right away, you do want to call more runs, and it does put pressure on the defense because they are going to think, all right, this team is leading. They're going to run the ball more to try to protect their lead. And then, again, yeah, like you said, you throw, I mean, 18 out of 20, that's 90% passing, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, an absolutely absurdly efficient day from Tamarine, who... Um, Best quarterback nobody talks about nationally? Yeah. And, Probably. And, and yeah, of course he benefits from a good supporting cast, but also from this game plan, which again, <laughs> this is the er example of this is how to establish the run productively. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, what good quarterback in college doesn't benefit from an effective supporting cast? Like, that's... Lamar they, Jackson. They <laughs> right. <And> so, <laughs> unless you're Lamar Jackson, um, although didn't he had... Was it uh, Parker that Devontae he had? Parker, yeah. yeah. So, Devontae, not, not, no, I mean, Lamar Jackson, his last year in college. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that, right, once Parker had left. So, Did you happen to catch that option play the Ravens ran with three high school Yeah, with him and Ingram and, uh, and Griffin. I was like, that, <laughs> that can't have happened before. There's just no way. I mean, the closest it could have come was when they had, um, no, wait, Bo Jackson didn't win the Heisman. Did he? I thought he did. I don't know. Um, well, they had Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson. Right. That's, I mean, that's, the, and that's still only two. So, you know, another guy who dominated college football in another season into the mix there. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, from Penn State's perspective, does this really change anything? Because the Ohio State game is still a Big Ten East title game. Yeah. Uh, and if you well, win, if you if win out, they win. if yeah, right. Well, that's what I mean. It's a you have to win, and then you win the division. Time. But again, yeah, that's if they win the week after that. Which, what are you, are you saying that Maryland is going to give them a problem? In the no, I'm week? saying they've got to win on their way to the you know because a funny thing might happen to them on their way to that Big Ten East title game. Well, you're spoiling the preview a little bit, so let's let's steer clear of that. But yeah, it, look. Does this really change anything for Penn State? No, because well, they ha- they'd have to win out. They had they they can consider themselves to have had one game margin for error. If you want to have an argument for the playoff at the end of the year, anyway, you had to win the conference because Ohio State's in your division. You had to win out on that, but this was their margin. The thing is, like, this didn't feel like an aberrant result. Like I mentioned earlier, the thing where oh, if you think about these teams playing ten times, how many does each side win? Minnesota probably wins six. Yeah, would you? I mean, I don't. That's that would that would be my take. These are pretty closely matched teams, uh, which, by the way, given the differential in talent, is astounding. Um, astounding we, yeah. Before this year, I thought, and I don't remember if you were on board with me on this or not, that PJ Fleck was going to have trouble getting to the places he did at Western because he was not replicating his talent advantage. 
I think it was fair for me to think that because that was his first head coaching. So we had no other data on him. That yeah. was the only way he'd shown he could do it. And it worked, but he was never going to get that here. He still hasn't. Maybe he'll. Maybe recruiting will take off too in a, in a, a way that we can't imagine for him. But it's it hasn't so far. He's getting good talent, but not the. I mean, he's what at best the fifth, sixth, seventh most talented team in the conference right now. Um, yeah. Well, but no, he's done. He's so if we're done talking about momentum and recruiting, of, yeah. if we're talking about momentum and recruiting in the Big Ten West, are you suggesting that? For the next decade or so, it'll be Minnesota and Illinois dueling, like, <laughs> high above the clouds where anyone else can reach them. <laughs> well, it would be a nice change of pace, right? I mean, I'm would be. tired of, like, Iowa, Wisconsin, 16-13 deciding the fate of the division year after year. Like, let's mix this up, make it more interesting. We already know we're going to get Ohio State four out of five seasons in the East, so... Can we have a little bit of variety? Like, I don't think it would hurt anybody. I don't know whether or not we're going to do... I, I mean, we're not going to do any ad reads, but hey, if we're actually finally transitioning to that pro platform, then this might be a good place for, 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 for you to take a, take a playoff because you've hustled really well so far. Check it out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So anyway, welcome back to Off Talking Empire, where we're talking about, no, you don't want to see Wisconsin-Iowa 24-21 bullshit anymore. What you do want is Wisconsin-Iowa 24-22 bullshit. Offensive explosion in the Heartland Trophy game. That's what this one is, right? And this is one of those made-up trophies. The Quadrangle has a couple of good, legitimate trophies, and then also bullshit trophies to make up. Because, you know, they're not actually all organic matchups. Well, which is weird, though, because Iowa and Wisconsin is a pre-existing one. Yeah. And so you think they come with something better than we created a terrible hybrid of their, like, a, a horrible chimera of the two stadiums, which are just normal-looking buildings. <laughs> like, there's nothing especially outstanding about either of them. This is the kind like, of idea that somebody, somebody had. And clearly some people got behind it because it had some merit. But then at some point in the execution phase, somebody should have realized, wait a second. That what is that? That just kind of looks like a weird cake. Yeah, like this right. It's like this this isn't cool like like if you make a half man, half horse into centaur, that's kinda cool. But this you, isn't cool like that. This is a cool like half this, man, half horse into Bojack Horseman. Like that's what <laughs> that's what this is. It's like a it's like a like different with a horse kind of, half up yeah, top. Yeah, like it's a whole different thing and it has kind of a different not that, that show isn't great, it's phenomenal, horribly depressing, but uh <laughs> neither here nor there. So uh, oh yeah. my God! That's not even the only Big Ten West trophy that looks like a cake. 
the hat looks extremely like a cake. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Um, so the, the funny thing about this outcome, which would have been funny regardless of who won, is the winner, in this case Wisconsin, now, needs, uh, now desperately needs Iowa to beat Minnesota for them, or else uh, Peach can just sit all his starters for the Axe game and wave the bird at the Wisconsin bench the whole time. Like, here, take the axe. We're going to Indy Bye. Yeah. <laughs> not you, that he would. Not that I even, well, and, you know, you obviously you never from do that. Experience, but. <laughs> from experience, uh, if you do that and win the game, your rival's fans will be fucking fuming. <laughs> because Pat Fitzgerald did that shit to us last year. And, and, uh, and we're driving down one score near the end of the game. And he's like, no, I'm cool. I'm going to leave my second string defense in. I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a flex that's hard to hard to come up with a counter for. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> could he not? Could he not do it? But uh, so look, and you know, as we expected, Jonathan Taylor ran wild all over Iowa's extremely notoriously weak defense. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that's not what we expected to happen at all. He went for two hundred and fifty yards, and still Wisconsin's only scoring twenty four points. Jonathan Taylor did something that I didn't think would be possible. He ran for 250 yards without scoring. <laughs> scoring a touchdown. How did he manage to, like, <laughs> the like, only way you could do that is if you did, like, that uh, Brian Westbrook or Jamal Williams sit at the one-yard line to Jesus. run out the clock thing. Maurice Jones-Drew, On yeah. every single down. <laughs> this isn't like they're Every time you get a yet. first down, you're just like, sit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then, you know, on the other side, as we expected, Iowa's notoriously explosive big play passing game is what got them back in this... Uh, hold on. That, that also does not exactly fit according to type. Uh, but look, this was your typical close Iowa-Wisconsin game. Iowa once again comes up on the short side of it. They now settle for the bronze, I suppose. Is there an outcome where they fall a fourth place behind Illinois? Yeah, they lose to Illinois. I mean... Yeah, they still play this year. Although... Doesn't no Illinois got the bye and then the game is in Kinnick this year though isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. No. And you know what? I'll continue to say that Illinois has no chance in that one, just like I've said for like most of the last four weeks. Are you gonna say they don't have any chance against Northwestern? Because that's where I think you'll have jumped the shark somewhat. Uh, <laughs> oh look, I didn't say they had no chance against Rutgers. I said they'd win that one by one score, and it'd be really stupid. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so. Not even I can ignore Rutgers being Rutgers. Is it, is it even like is it possible for Iowa to go back to the Outback Bowl again? Because they are stop me if you've heard this before, cruising for eight wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <coughs> yeah. That honestly, I got in on the over Iowa seven and a half wins, and it's like, okay, do you want to just give me money? Free money. Like yeah. Why, why don't Why don't you just make me on a check right now? Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> Speaking of free money, um, Ohio State over, covering whatever points you want to spot them. Um, this Ohio State now doesn't even fuck around for a quarter before just tearing your guts out, which uh, is is fun. Um, you you watch any of this game at all? Like no, but this, I did yeah. see that they went for an onside kick of like forty two. <laughs> like oh, you think Jim Harbaugh is a huge dick? Yeah. <laughs> Let me make clear to you how important playoff seeding is to us. Just, you know. Which, hey, like, look, if by some some bizarre happenstance they should lose one of their remaining games. I mean, they do still have Penn State and Michigan left on the schedule. Two teams theoretically talented enough to give them a game. Um, if they lose one of those games, 
don't you want to buy up as much insurance as you possibly can so that you have a plausible argument for inclusion in the field? Like, that's got to be what this is about. Ohio State had 40 first downs. Yeah. Uh, it, dude, this was it was a complete and thorough domination. It You know, efficiency, explosiveness. They scored on their first six possessions. They only broke that streak because... On their seventh possession, they got the ball back with one second left in the first half, and you know just didn't <laughs> didn't do anything there. Um, but it just they were so pissed off about Maryland scoring those two touchdowns in the third and fourth quarter that they went for it on fourth and goal <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Yeah, which I guess like I understand that because obviously by then it's all backups that you're playing. So why not give these guys the best live? high pressure ish experience that you can give them, you know, you never know when that could matter. I mean, if Justin Fields rolls an ankle or something and you have to put your backup in late in a game in a tight game, you, you want him to know what it's like to be a guy. Right, this is fourth down. You have to pick this up. Uh, this is me playing devil's advocate a little bit here because Ohio state is of course the devil, uh, whether it was Gene Smith or um, one of those assholes in the face paint, in every game, whoever it is that made their foul stream bargain is certainly getting their money's worth. Um, statistically, Maryland had a little bit of success in the run game. You, if that's you have to adjust for sacks because Ohio State had seven of them without Chase Young, who, by the way, what an incredible uh, just like if you want to know about the NCAA in a nutshell. I think it was the same day. Wasn't it the same day they suspended Chase Young and also James Wiseman, the kid, the kid at Memphis? Yeah. And it's like, so you're telling me that in the same day you're suspending probably the two most talented individuals in your two highest revenue sports over separate instances of them trying to, like, <laughs> you know, they're just probably more, like, the Wiseman, I think, got a loan from the coach to cover moving expenses for his family so they could come live in the city he was playing in. Uh, I forget the details of the Chase Young thing, but it was something similarly asinine. Uh, where it's like, look, it, how many more states have to introduce name, image, likeness bills as a bridge to further athlete compensation before you realize you are you're 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 on the Titanic here, and it's, you're not just fiddling through it. You're like going, you're like walking around with a shotgun, blowing more holes in the hole. Like you're not, you're not making this any better. What, what what the NCAA is doing right now is, as the fortress collapses around them, screaming up at the ceiling, "This cannot be! I am invincible!" <laughs> Just, oh, so Ohio enough, State yeah. and Penn State have both beaten Maryland by fifty nine. Who looked better doing it? That Penn State game was so long ago. I like. Tell you what, man, Ohio State better not lose because, you know, every single loss is now we're going to have to couch that in. Well, shit, you know they wouldn't have lost to Penn State if they just kicked a few more onside kicks against fucking Rutgers. (laughs) If they they got in that practice in. Never punted (laughs) against Rutgers. If they just, man. Hey, they did did have to punt twice in this game, so there were were points left on the field. Got to fire somebody if you want my opinion. Look, it, my own we with my own team has now grown to the point where all I want is for the two most juggernaut teams this year, which this year it's Ohio State and LSU. And I get that we th- that Bama and Clemson both belong in that discussion. Bama's going to sneak their way back in the fucking playoffs. They shouldn't, but they will. Agreed. Although, alternatively, and we'll get to this when we get to results elsewhere, does this Baylor team not remind you of 2015 MSU? 
and that they're like they're looking for ways to lose. They're like, we we God, we don't want to go to the playoff. We do not belong there. Please don't make us go. But they keep winning anyway. <laughs> if they beat Oklahoma, I mean, they have to play. They functionally have to play Oklahoma twice, right? Yeah. Because they'll play them next week, and then they'll rematch them in the Big Twelve title game. They're probably not beating Oklahoma twice. But if Mom. they do, Baylor's going to the playoff. And if they do. They will fare just as well against any of those teams we just mentioned as Michigan State, as Washington, as any of the other teams where it's like, yay, I'm here. You guys are all really big. Like, that's, you know, that's, what, that's what it's going to be. Unless it's a Minnesota-Baylor semifinal. We can only, well, if they go, they're going to be 3-4, so no. They will, both, they will both get their guts torn out by, you know, whichever. I assume if Minnesota goes, that's going to be at the expense of Ohio State, so... Uh, presumably by LSU and Clemson. But anyway. Um, well, Clemson, you can't put Clemson in the playoff because one time they didn't nuke a conference opponent by like 59 points. <laughs> yeah, so therefore. So they're terrible. They're so terrible. therefore, Bama's got to go, even though the best team they've beaten this year is fucking Texas A&M, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I don't know. Neutral field, I don't know who I take records versus Clemson. Yeah, I mean, like, what has Trevor Lawrence really done? Um, speaking of Clemson quarterbacks, Purdue um, and Northwestern. You mean the one who didn't play again? Yeah, uh, was he? I think he's still hurt though. Yeah, or, he, yeah. he got hurt by against the Indiana. Uh, this would be the no after you bowl because boy, neither team wanted to win this game. And I, look, when I say that, obviously it is facetiously. Certainly, they both wanted to win, but they played in such a way as to make as to make you think otherwise. Purdue had their third-string quarterback throw 51 passes, and it was not a total disaster. Uh, <laughs> you know, mostly because David Bell is already, in my mind, one of the, certainly one of the five best receivers in the conference. Um, I mean, I, th- I could put him behind Hamler, probably behind both Johnson and Bateman, probably behind Nico Collins. After that, I mean, I don't even know what I can say about Rondale Moore because the guy's missed practically the whole season. Yeah, I probably still take more over him because he's got that firecracker appeal. But um, David Bell is a star. If you're not aware of him, if you happen to catch Purdue, just you'll 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 see him pretty quick because whenever they have the ball, that's where it's going to be going, and good things are going to happen for the Boilermakers when they do. Um, an interesting report I saw was that uh, prior to the game, the only Northwestern Wildcat to catch a touchdown this year was ruled out. Yeah, that changed. They got a little bit of offense going here. Although, wait, when you say catch, I guess I don't recall from the box score if Minnesota actually threw any touchdowns, or Northwestern actually threw any touchdowns. So They did. They <laughs> threw two. Them. Good God, an offensive renaissance. The one thing that I would say for Northwestern, unironically without any scorn, which is unusual for me, as you know, I, they may be onto something here with Kyrick McGowan as a running back. And the guy that he reminds me of is Ben Mark. The last time Northwestern's offense felt truly dangerous was when they had that Coulter-Mark option combo alternating with Simeon as a more of a pocket passer. That was the last time they felt truly dangerous to me because they had a guy who was a threat to house it on every play. And I think getting McGowan more involved in the way they did was a smart adjustment by their offensive staff. I'm capable of saying that truthfully and honestly because... Leaving him as it clearly, if your best players for Northwestern's offense are wide receivers, that's not going to work this year. Now, it took him eight games to realize that. But look, give him some credit for deciding after 
bashing their head against the wall eight times to be like, oh, maybe I'll just turn the doorknob here and see if that works. Uh, you know, give them, give them <laughs> some little shred of credit. Like, that's about the most I can do. And that's, you know, for a Northwestern team that's got one win here in the second week in November. That's not much of a silver lining, but it's something. I mean, they, they're going to have McGowan next year. The quarterback situation, obviously, is what they have to resolve long-term first and foremost because this Aiden Smith kid ain't, ain't it. He ain't it, man. Um, Certainly not now. No, and I mean, like... He's got most of a season under his belt as the starter. Like, what have you seen from him that makes you think he's going to be something more in the future? Like, it's true that guys get better. He's got a lot of snaps now. And yeah. this this result is still mostly, like, two yards a He carry. doesn't display any of the tools that are like, okay, I get it. Now. Like, no. you know, because, I don't know, like, you know, uh, uh, any dudes that are highly recruited and don't, don't necessarily pan out, every now and then you still see a play that's like, okay. Yeah, that like makes he sense. Fires a ball like twenty yards on a rope in a tiny little window. It's like, yeah, that would be that would explain it. But no, you don't see you don't see much of that here. Um, and again, you know, this is being a little bit of a dead horse, but I do continue to give Purdue some credit for continuing to fight. They've long since fallen short of the expectations I had for him. But look, the the injury thing is hard to overstate. And yes, again, I know we've talked about this before. They did get Tario Fuller back today. He only had a couple of carries. So it's not clear to me how much they're going to use him going forward. They may have found something with King Doru anyway, and I know they have running back prospects coming in that they're excited about. Purdue's got a bye, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And then they got two games to win two to get to a bowl, but they've got a couple of two lost teams in Wisconsin and Indiana. Yeah, that's gonna, it's going to be tough. The bye week obviously comes at a really good time. Maybe, you know, like obviously too late for them to recoup, but a week earlier in the season apparently was not going to make a difference for a lot of those guys anyway. You know, it's not like they're getting Bailey or Sindelar back over this bye. So the hope is that you game plan. And can you out game plan Paul Chris? Yes. Yes, you can. Tom Allen's a little bit of a different animal. And I don't think, I mean, there's it's difficult to envision a scenario where Purdue beats Indiana this year, which... How long has it been since we said that, by the way, in football? Um, Good God. Yeah. Yeah. So that does it for our turnaround the conference. To recap events nationally, um, LSU Alabama was great, and I missed most of it watching my own terrible team, John L. Smith it up. Never again. I'm never going to do that again. Uh, <laughs> the, the other thing, of course, is that the Alabama lobby, Big Bama, is hard at work um, trying to spin them back into the field, even though, as we mentioned, their best win for the season is over a thoroughly mediocre Texas A&M team. I don't know the entirety of Bama's schedule going out. Obviously, they play Auburn. They're going to have that SoCon challenge, though. That's coming up I don't oh, know, next week. Oh, wait, the I following. think uh, is Chicken Shit Saturday next week already? I think it's the following because there's three weeks left in the season. It's usually the second to last week, isn't right. it? So they can all rest up for their rivalry games. Um, so there's the Iron Bowl, and that's it. I mean, LSU, I think, is ending the season with Texas A&M. I think that's a regular thing now. I don't recall who else they play, but you telling me anybody on their schedule is a threat to LSU right now? Like, maybe Georgia in the SEC title game, but that's, you know. <laughs> anyway. Oh. All, of, all of which is saying, like, the parts of this game that I watched, and I've, I've found myself thinking this about most games featuring LSU and... Uh, Ohio State, Alabama to an extent when Tua was healthy, 
Clemson, not quite as much, but these teams at the top of the sport are just playing a different game. And yep. on the one hand, it's entertaining to watch. You have, you have to find a way to get over the existential despair of thinking about your team, most of you, and realizing that we are never going to be there. Um, you got to realize that yet you're settling for other things. And there's not really anything you can do about it unless, by some chance, you're one of these sugar daddy boosters who can get things going on the right track from a recruiting and talent acquisition standpoint. And tell you what, if you are like that, I guess I'm glad that you're doing that, that, that you're going to put your money there as opposed to putting your money into like literally destroying the world. Sure, there are worse things you could do with that money. Uh, vastly better things you could do with it. Yeah, but like nobody <laughs> ever does those things, so might as well sure. put it in college football. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma damn near played themselves all the way out of the playoff picture. Yeah, the uh, the only thing that I've taken, well, I mean, other than the fact that I've played C.D. Lamb, the only thing that I take away as a positive from this kind of outcome is that if a certain green and white Big Ten school should find itself in the coaching search anytime soon. I think Alex Grinch is a little more gettable with some of the recent results Oklahoma's <laughs> defense has had. Time. Um, not that a couple of individual games should take the luster off too much. I mean, he's but still working with the talent that he has on hand, but I there's just no, don't there's know no that he would go to Eastern Michigan. He's from Ohio. Oh, I said Big Ten team. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I just heard green and white. I said, yeah, well. Uh, well, Gibsolani is... Um, it's a place. Well, it sure <laughs> does you, have a big brick dick. If you right, if if you can't say anything nice, start, I wish start, the, start a podcast. I wish that the Ypsilanti brick dick were just a little closer to <coughs> the golden butthole of Sterling Heights. It's quite a trek. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, look him up. Um, there's with, also with there's, safe with safe search on. Oh, there's they, they they form a triangle, a Bermuda Triangle. With the fist downtown Detroit. <laughs> we're definitely in the middle of that triangle right now. So, so we're having a good time. So a fist, um, a brick dick, and a golden butthole surround us at the moment. Yeah, like there's space. There's, it's not like it's tight in here. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier, Baylor is absolutely 2015 MSU. They're going to Mr. Magoo their way into the playoff field. They needed just, double overtime to get... Was it double or triple over? I think it was triple overtime, actually. Yeah. To get past TCU in a game where they were tied at nine going into overtime. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's good. We're st- we was recording the whole time, I think, so <laughs> we'll just have to edit that out. But Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the Big 12, you know, you, you like to see it when a, a plucky, undermanned, undergunned upstart like the Texas Longhorns managed to spring an upset on a powerhouse ranked team like Kansas State. It's just, it's the kind of thing that college football is all about. You know, I mean, flying under the radar, man, uh, Texas also became bowl eligible. That's big for them. That's big for recruiting. That's big, you know, you want to get the bowl practices. Are we still recording on my mic? I don't know if we're still recording on your mic. Get up the VB audio because my mic, I think, doesn't think we're still recording on my mic. <laughs> the, uh, the the VB mixer, what is it saying? Vegeta, what does the VB mixer say about oh, yeah, the power no, level? We're definitely not. You're under 9,000. Oh, shit. I don't know what to do about that. Um, well, 
Let's see. I don't know. I'm I'm tempted to, if we get a good recording of it, just leave our technical difficulties in so that people can see how... How, how we're hustling, how we're out here grinding tape. Well, and no, it's just, you know, <laughs> what they always say when a good team, you know, barely escapes a big dick trip. This is our, uh, this is Spinal Tap, and people will appreciate that kind of thing. Well... They found a way to win, even on a night where they were struggling. They still <laughs> found a way to engineer a victory. And yep, that's how that pl the plucky Texas Longhorns. They, hey, you know, Illinois not the only orange team to surprise everybody by getting to bowl eligibility. Yeah, it's just a heartwarming, heartwarming kind of event there. Um, <laughs> only other thing, it, so much for Wake Forest rising oh. up as a as the you know number one contender, money in the bank type deal against Clemson because they got housed by Virginia Tech, a result I did not see coming. How much does it hurt to have Wake Forest and K-State as the contenders for Dick Trip of the Week? Well, I, I just mention them because they're ranked teams that lost to unranked teams. I know, but I, by they're our not, criteria... They're not serious contenders here. The, these are the... Uh, these are the... Let me think. Give me an example. Also ran over their dicks. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking of, like, the Heisman guy who clearly just got an invite as... Like, Jonathan Taylor when he gets a Heisman invite this year. That's what they are. <laughs> oh, snap! <laughs> He's not fucking winning it. See, like, if he gets an invite at this point, it would be a huge surprise. Uh, his counting stats will probably get him there. But anyway... Or these, like, the, the overachieving Matt guy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Lynch? Jordan Lynch or Chandler Harness. So then who whoever. is your dick trip of the week? Uh, Penn State gets my vote. Um... Granted, they're on the road against a ranked team, so maybe that's not fair. But, yeah, Penn State gets my vote. Actually, no. You know what? Alabama. Because you know why they lost? They cheered for Donald Trump. Yep, I said it. Deal with it. You cheered for him. You cheered for him loudly. Now you're not going to the playoff. Nick Saban's <laughs> probably going to retire after this year. All your players are going to transfer, and you'll never be good again. That's what happens when Donald touches something. It turns to shit. You did that. Speaking of, i got to mention this very quickly. Are you familiar with the quarterbacks who played in the BYU-Liberty matchup? You know the Liberty quarterback because we've talked about them already. What would you, Do you know BYU's quarterback, what his name is? Oh, my God, I forgot. Lay ba on me. Baylor Romney. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. You can't make that up, man. <laughs> I don't sound like a human being anymore. How many terms does he serve as the governor of Utah, first of all? Uh, <laughs> Before advancing to bigger and better things? Before going out of the Senate, yeah, whatever the term limits are, honestly. But no, it's bad. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!